Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone. We are back. I am back here with Courtney, and we are talking all about mental health today. I feel like this topic is so, so important, and Courtney brought this to my attention, and I think it's a great idea. So we're going to dive into mental health, you know, our own mental health experiences, how we process our emotions, what we've learned through our own experiences, and so on. So how are you today, Courtney? I'm good. This girl's got some exciting news. I think she's moving. Oh, yeah. So exciting new vibrations new energies it's time for and I got a new coffee pot which is like the most exciting it's like half the excitement I can feel this like new shift for you happening and I'm just so excited Uh, it's like it feels good but it feels so foreign of course yeah yes I feel like so many of us need to learn how to receive because we're always giving and it's like it's your turn to receive I feel like you're such a giver and also she is such a saver which is why this is very scary step And I'm sure anybody listening who has bought a house before or has moved can relate to the fear of all of that. And that can bring up anxiety in itself. So it definitely ties into today's episode. I think like all big life changes are scary. Absolutely. And actually, this was what I was going to mention to you earlier when we were like having that side combo is that something that I've learned is even like some of the biggest situations that before you're in it, you look at it and you're like, oh my God. God, this seems so hard to get through. This seems like so much to go through. I'm so afraid of what this entails. But then once you're on the other side of it and you look back at it, you can sometimes say, all right, yeah, maybe it was hard in the moment, but I made it and maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And I forgot who I listened to, but I was listening to someone and they compared that to like skydiving in a way where like, it's crazy how the moment that you're the most afraid of skydiving is usually before you jump. Yeah, because you don't know what to expect. But then once you jump and you're doing the free fall, everybody's like, oh my God, what an amazing experience. Now, of course, there's life situations that are not like skydiving at all and can be really morbid and whatever. But, and of course, skydiving always has potential dangers. I'm just trying to put it into perspective there with that. I I heard that quote and I was like, it's interesting. That's like interesting how a lot of the times our anxiety and our biggest fear happen before we're actually doing it, before the actual scary part of the whole thing. It's like we're afraid of potentially what could happen. And that's where like the anxiety stems from is that yeah I could agree it's like it's like that last like step you take before you take that full leap is like the scariest one Mm -hmm. and then you leap and you're like damn I'm doing the damn thing right I think also too it depends on like how you were brought up like there's all these episodes I know on your podcast that we haven't talked about yet but you talked about individually about um like money mindset and everything and I think like growing up living like paycheck to paycheck or worse off much worse off than that in reality it's just like scary to be spending large sums of money even if you have it because you're like your mindset is like oh I can't let go of that because like it could all be gone in an instant oh absolutely and it's like rethinking your whole mindset of money and how it works for you and how you work for it and trusting I think also there's like this element of like trusting yourself and like your your job or whatever or your career it's scary because then you hear like people recently too about like people getting laid off from like Google and Twitter Mm -hmm. and other places like Microsoft and you're like uh I feel like that's more so like a that's like a different topic though I feel like that's just like the bloated nature of like these tech companies who like got way too many employees doing jobs that they probably figured out how to get like automatic like automation done for now and like, at the grocery don't have, stores like, see that walmart yeah like people who don't really have and this is going to sound really bad but i don't mean it in this cruel way i just mean it very matter of fact like people who don't have to have any type of education or skill set for a job and they're just easily replaced by automated systems like your job that you do is very like very detailed very technical and you have to have a lot of skill to do all the things that you do. So it's not easily replaced. And even though your skill set is like specifically taught, like you've self-taught a lot, you still have like a lot of 
things that you would need to learn to do your job. Like, it's not like you can just graduate high school and like do everything that you do without learning. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of things are like that too. Like there's always a learning element to everything in life. I feel like, and also I think just a lot of people needing to believe in themselves more, like you said, and having trust in their own abilities. A lot of people settle for jobs where they're not able to actually show their full potential because they don't actually believe in their full potential. So they settle for those jobs that, you know, I feel like there's so much more potential that they have within them than, and again, I don't want to sound like bad either, but then like, like working at a grocery store or working at like, you know, just doing like, even for me, for example, actually where some of my mental health first started, well, actually it's not where it first started at all, but (laughs) where it was really bad, it was when I was a server. And I had a moment when I was serving where I was like, okay, am I wasting my potential? Because I'm literally allowing customers to treat me like crap over a damn burger. I feel like there's so much more I could be doing with my life. But at that time, I didn't have any faith or belief in myself. And I had the conditioned mindset of like, this is all I'll ever be able to get. I don't have any qualified special skills. So why should I even bother kind of mindset? Mm -hmm. And that held me back a ton. And then once I finally snapped out of that and I started to change my perspective and I started to be like, okay, wait a minute, let's value yourself a little bit more. You have so much more to offer to this world than just waiting tables. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, a bad thing. Like some people aspire to just do that and that they're okay with that. But yeah. for me, but they I enjoy do... like the social element. Or yeah. Like the multitasking. I, I understand what you mean because nursing is very similar in not a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways to serving and you are like serving a customer essentially, even though you're like taking care of a patient, it's, it is different. You still have that huge social element to taking care of someone. And when you have a really difficult person or an altered person mentally, if you have a patient who has had a stroke or you have a patient who's just like altered and we don't know why, or somebody who has like some type of regressive problem or someone who has some type of disease condition like Down syndrome, it's very hard to communicate with those people and frustrations and tensions can build really easily and it can become... Honestly, in those, in nursing, it's even worse because it can honestly become like a physically abusive and dangerous environment. So, but I get what you're talking about. Like there is that element still that servers have to deal with of emotional abuse, honestly. Yeah. And at one point I I just, I kind of looked at the situation, like, is life really meant to feel this way? Am I meant to feel devalued as a human because a burger was cooked wrong? I put that into perspective for a minute and I was like, that's ridiculous, honestly. Like I need to get out of this environment because it's not good for my mental health and I deserve better than being treated that way by people I don't even know, right? Quite frankly, I deserve to be treated better, especially due to the fact that half the things that they were mad about were out of my control. So it's like, you're like, I don't go back there and cook your burger. I don't know what you think is happening. Yeah, I'm like, what what am I doing here? Like, I need to, yeah, so, but let's kind of dive into mental health, and I kind of want to get your perspective on your struggles with mental health, how it started, how you kind of coped, worked through it, what you still may be struggling with, and then I'll share my perspective after. I don't think mental health really, I feel like now it's kind of like a buzzword, but it should be in its own right. It became like a big deal, I think, around COVID, like 2020. And before that, there were like flurs or blurps online about it, but it wasn't like such a big deal until we all had to go into lockdown. And I think it's because of like the forced break everyone had to take. It like gave everyone that time to slow down and look at themselves and reevaluate like their life and how they're doing internally. Because we live in like such a capitalist go, go, go society. There's always been this mentality of like self-sacrifice to achieve. And that's not serving us as a group or as a community or as a country anymore to self-sacrifice to the point where like you're physically ill or your family's suffering and your whole personal life is falling apart for the sake of like what money material items like my husband and I talk all the time about how like you literally couldn't offer us enough pay or extra pay as a nurse to work a fourth shift a week because it's such a draining job that we're not going to do it I don't care how much money you offer us it's just we can't do it we're not going to do it. We would rather spend time. That's, on, 
boundaries. Love that. (laughs) But yeah, so I became more aware of my mental health and what it was called through that, through like COVID, through 2020, through people talking about it online, which the online is a blessing and a curse for so many reasons. This is a blessing. But I think before I knew what to call it, I've been getting more and more aware of it over the years because I've always had like a lot of negative inner self-talk which created a lot of self-confidence problems. And I think it got really bad when I moved to Texas. I used to, obviously I was drinking in college and you know, I would drink and then I would, if I had any feeling of like social isolation or rejection or old rejection wounds, like I would drink and I would get drunk and then like that would be where I was. And it was like this such intense, unhealthy feeling and that's all I could focus on. It'd be, it would be like overbearing and just too much to deal with and so I would have thoughts of like suicide and how to do suicide and how my life wasn't worth anything and I and nobody cared about me and like all these irrational things but obviously they're based in some type of trauma or like rooted somewhere and some type of narrative that I've received as as a child I think but then that's that's one of the reasons why I don't drink And I really don't drink a lot because I just had that realization when I was actually still drunk about how like it seemed to be worse and more severe when I was drinking. And I was like, if I don't stop drinking and like reserve it for special occasions and special social occasions, like this is going to lead to my downfall. Like I might actually do something that I regret, like try to commit suicide Mm. because I'm drinking. And I was like, I don't actually want to do that. So that's kind of why I don't really drink anymore. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that's a powerful realization. So when you were a child and growing up, mental health really wasn't on your mind as much. No, I used to just, I didn't know what it was. We didn't talk about it. My family didn't talk about it. It wasn't a priority. We weren't even really allowed to express our guilt or remorse or sadness or growing up. We weren't allowed, I would say more so by my mom to really have our feelings Mm -hmm. expressed openly looking back do you feel like you did struggle a lot with your mental health as a child oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah because I wasn't allowed to express my feelings openly in the house and in, in our home so I had to express them personally and it just it led to a lot of deep sorrow and a lot of intense crying fits mm-hmm. and self-inflicted like I the traditional like Hollywood like TV show even on Georgia and Ginny was that she was like burning herself or like when I was growing up it was really popular for people to like cut themselves but I used to punch myself Mm. like in the head in the leg like very violent towards myself and like I feel like I did that because it like hurt me it was like self-inflicted pain but it wasn't like permanent like it didn't leave any permanent scars so people would never know you know Mm. what I mean Mm. like if I bruised my leg it would go away So people wouldn't know that that I was doing that. That's something that I can definitely relate to. My experience with mental health has always been a thing for me. At a very young age, I always kind of knew about mental health. I think the environment that I lived in, I I witnessed firsthand with my dad struggling with his mental health. And so my mom tried to be kind of open about his struggles. And of course, there was still not the full truth. And she didn't tell me the full truth until I was older. But when I was younger, you know, I'd be like, well, why is dad never moving from the couch? Why is he always sitting on the couch doing nothing? Why is he always snapping on us? Why is he always, you know, always in a bad mood, always like angry and all of those things. But my dad was going through a lot of mental health issues when he lost his job due to an injury that took a toll on him. I think it took a toll over his pride, not being able to provide financially, not being able to, because he would grew up in a very traditional household where, right. you know, the mom, you know, took care of the kids and the dad went and worked. Sure. I had these conversations with my dad as well. Like, it's crazy. Our relationship has taken such a turn. It's actually mind-blowing. I had this realization the other day when I was talking to him on the phone and he was actually allowing me to like talk about my interests with him without, you know, shaming me for what I'm interested in and things like that that I've experienced in the past. But he got kind of open and vulnerable about how he used to compare himself to his brothers all the time because they were older than him and they always had literally like 
all of my relatives on my dad's side, my aunts, my uncles, they all have money. They all are financially stable. They all have like, you know, my uncle had a boat that we would always go on. We would always go to his camper and all of these nice things that we would always experience. And my dad would always compare himself to that. So then he would bring us on trips trying to like make everybody happy. But then when he took us to like these trips, he was doing it on his credit cards. But essentially, they were just spending money that they didn't have in order to keep up with people around them. And so when my dad lost his job and they no longer could afford, even though they couldn't even afford these things to begin with, it just took a toll on his mental health. And then, of course, the drug addiction and all of that came with that. So watching that firsthand as a child kind of affected me because I'm the type of person to absorb people's like feelings. And I don't like really because sometimes I feel like that's a very buzzword, too. And in my opinion, being an empath or that like term really does stem from childhood trauma, where it's like everybody around you was in a chaotic mood constantly. So you felt like you had, you you didn't feel the stability. Yeah. Right. You didn't didn't feel the emotional stability. Now you're like constantly emotionally thinking like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Exactly. I think my therapist said it was like hypervigilance socially hypervigilance yeah yeah that is yeah there's um that's very common I I think I guess I could see but I don't think that you suffer from like like true hypervigilance because I've looked it up before because I think there's a family member my husband's side of the family who does fully suffer and have all of the signs of hypervigilance but yeah it's like emotional instability I think a lot of people who suffer from hyper hyper vigilance have this really chaotic childhood that's a mix of um physical and emotional abuse because it's just physically you're not safe and emotionally you're not safe and you're just like well how do I create that now for myself yeah and but also I don't want to deter from like you've probably just done a lot of work to try to come out of your hyper vigilance oh yeah so maybe that's also why yeah this was of course this term was brought up to me back when I was going through therapy like years ago so I'm sure that Mm, where I am now is different than where it was back then but essentially I guess is that I really take on the emotion of other people really easily and so even in childhood I think also experiencing loss at a young age you know it does take a toll on someone like as a child because now you're like fear fearful of loss and whatnot and so that affected my mental health and I would always 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 have these crazy panic attacks so my mom finally took me to the psychiatrist and they diagnosed me as a child with a panic um, disorder I don't know Mm -hmm. if I still have it back then it was a lot worse where I literally thought I was dying almost 50% of my existence as a child I I would be like mom I think you need to call 911 I can't breathe I can't breathe I can't breathe like I'm dying I'm dying I'm dying and she would literally think I'm crazy but you know so those moments were really intense and tough on me And so my mental health from like when I was a child, it was a lot, it's a lot different than it it was when I was a teenager. And it was also a lot different than when I was a young adult. And then it's also a lot different to where I'm now. Like, I feel like went through a lot of different phases with my Mm -hmm. mental health where it changed a ton. And I think like the, the hardest part about my mental health as a kid was just trying to get people to understand that I was struggling and not think that I'm crazy. That was like the biggest thing for me because everybody just thought that I was making things up, trying to get attention. I feel like that's a generational thing. Like parents used to just write everything off that like People who are under 18 or like under 25 are feeling as like, oh, they're just dramatic. Oh, they just want attention. It's like, well, maybe that is true, but you have to ask yourself like, why? Why is that true? And and looking back, like you went through a lot of like instability in terms of like parents divorcing and moving a lot and new parent romantic relationships and changing schools and changing friends. And you had a lot of huge life changes as much as I think your mom tried to combat it I don't think there was enough nurturing that you I don't think you got the amount of nurturing that you needed not that she is in the wrong I think she tried I just think she did try parenting is hard exactly especially when you're trying to do it alone oh 100% and back then too like 
as a child, you're not able to see it from the perspective of the parent. You only see it from your perspective. And likewise, the parent struggles to see it from the child's perspective, because again, there was a lack of education, a lack of knowledge around mental health, a lack of knowledge around emotional needs and support. And yeah, she would have had to literally like go and seek out that for herself. And at the same time, she's trying to like physically provide for you guys mm-hmm. and like make sure you're like clothed and sheltered. And like she was working full time. Yeah. Um, Struggling with her own mental health too, I'm sure. Her mental health. Yeah. And like, she probably didn't even have like the words, like I was saying, like with COVID, the introduction of a lot of these words, like you didn't even, if you weren't going to school for this stuff, like you didn't even have the words, like what you're looking for. You're, you're just like feeling this strange sensation and you're like, what am I looking for? Like, why do I feel discontented or not right? You're like, I just feel not right, but I don't know what the real word is for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mental health is just a huge problem in my family in general. Like my brother struggles intensely with mental health. Social anxiety, can't leave the house, can't go to the grocery store. Like he has yet to leave my dad's house since moving there. Really? Yeah. I thought moving there would be better for him. He won't move. Like he won't leave the house. He won't do anything. He struggles. That's scary. Yeah. So it's a huge, it's usually since like he's not getting any younger. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a huge issue in my family and- you know, and I think what I've learned most too through this whole thing as well is that like, because everyone around me is constantly in like chaos and up in flames and I have this very like fixing personality, take on other people's problems. So that's something I've learned how like I need to set boundaries because that helps me emotionally regulate myself. This is why I feel like I couldn't be a therapist or a psychologist. I think it would mentally take a toll on me because I just Mm. really do you struggle? Like I, when you're on TikTok, right? And you're scrolling through and all of a sudden, which I know you don't use TikTok, but maybe Instagram, for example, is not as bad of, on Instagram, in my opinion. On TikTok, you'll come across literally everything that's wrong with the world. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's just showing you continuously. Oh, it happens thing. on Facebook. On Facebook, yeah. like if you, oh. if you watch a video for too long about like, the Illuminati or Satanism or pedophile Hollywood rings. Russian, all of a sudden it just shows all of it. Russian spies. Continuously. And you're just like, what the hell is happening? The world is going to hell in a handbasket and yeah. I can't fix this myself. I'm extremely overwhelmed. And it what am I physically makes me ill, honestly. Like you, it makes me lethargic. I, I have to literally like hit the like, show me less of this. Yeah. It, it, it just makes me so lethargic. And then I'll stay up all night just thinking about like what I just saw. And it, it like I don't even do that. Like I'm like oh subconsciously on autopilot. Like sometimes my mental health, I was telling my husband, he asked he he was like, So in the car the other day, he was like, So tell me how's it going? Like how's work going? Like pretend I'm like your nursing preceptor and I'm just like explaining everything to him of like how I feel and what's going on. And it was just like I didn't even realize I had, had all these like feelings and how much I was like struggling with this transition and and being in the critical care environment until like he asked me and I had to like really think about it and then it's just like I knew the job would be hard but I didn't know it would be like hard in certain ways Mm -hmm. I, I underestimated it and it's just like I was explaining to him how like it's so important to have the time off and like have a partner who understands the job and what you're doing and like they really just get what you're saying when because you you can't describe it like you you literally can't describe this animal of a job that you do and the time it takes to like emotionally reset and take care of yourself and all the things you have to do yeah. to like I know a lot of people who bring have yourself that I see you because of how bad it got that on their mental health. I was just talking to, luckily, like some of our nighttime nurse practitioners are really amazing. So one of our night nurse practitioners, he was talking to me and he was just explaining to me, he's like, it was like 33% of your ICU patients are going to die. Yeah, that's a like, sad realization. 33% of the people you take care of will die. And I was like, okay. That's to me, like, I mean, I put it on social media because I just feel like it's important to be honest with people. But like as a critical care nurse, like people dying doesn't bother me necessarily. Like I don't mind doing end of care life treatments. You know what I mean? Like people who choose hospice. I care about the quality of their death. Yeah, Yeah. that's what bothers me more because if someone is what we call like a full code. So like if, if something happens and their heart stops working or they stop breathing and we do everything that we can 
to try to keep them alive, but they're not going to live even if we do all these measures because they're too sick and their body systems are just shutting down. But the families don't comprehend that and they want us to keep doing everything. I'm literally now forcing with drug medications and forced breathing and pumps and machines this person to be alive and this person can't even talk to me this person can't even tell me themselves like I don't want any of this it's all left to the decision of the family Mm. and the families like aren't there and I'm literally like taking care of a dead person who's forced to be alive you know what I mean and they can't tell me that they're suffering and I'm just like but I know that they're suffering because I can see like their vital signs and all this stuff. And it's just like, that's the hardest part. Cause then you don't feel like you're, you don't feel like you're doing the good that you got into the job for. Mm -hmm. You feel like I'm some kind of evil person forcing life on someone who, and I had this realization the other day, I told my husband, I said, there's something really magical and comforting about the fact of like having an animal Uh, like a dog or a cat or whatever pet you have in your home and like when they're sick and it's time for them to die they just die at home very peacefully and that's just it's their time and they don't they don't have any way around like trying to prolong their life or force themselves to stay alive they just they're so connected to the present that they're just accepting of it you know yeah it's just very like yeah I don't know No. Yeah. That's, it's very holistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing too, is that like when people are struggling mentally with certain situations and other people try to like either devalue it or minimize it, you really just don't know what someone's going through unless you're in their fucking shoes. So it's like so easy to see somebody struggling who says they're struggling with their mental health. And it's so easy to sit there and kind of judge them and be like, but look at your life. Should you really be struggling? Like people can have all the money in the world. They can appear to have the perfect family and they can still struggle mentally. And there's just always different situations that we really just need to kind of show more empathy for, in my opinion, and put ourselves in the other person's shoe and be like, okay, well, we don't fully know what is going on in their head. So before we're quick to judge, you know, maybe they're going through something. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned with like my own mental health journey and even hearing all of my friends around me who struggle is just knowing that like we all have our own struggles and sometimes we can't understand, but we can try. Like I will never understand the struggle you're going through because I am not a nurse and I am not. I know sometimes I wish I could bring you to work and you could just see this Uh, no thank you my heart cannot handle that Uh, (laughs) this um, is why I chose not that path because I know mentally (laughs) for me I cannot do it it. I think that's why I have other things like this where I can help people without doing that yeah um I think the other thing to me is like I've seen a lot more of it with like younger people I've met is like especially with the whole concept of like social media social media like profiles and creating this online presence blah 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 And they're like, oh, well, I started my thing as this persona of this person. And that's who I was at the time. But now I've formulated into like different, you know, something different or or developed in in more areas. And they're like, but I can't, I don't want to tell my audience that because then they're going to be like, well, you're a hypocrite. And I'm like, you're allowed to grow and change as a person. And if you're reaching the right audiences, they're going to know that you can take 10 steps forward and then come back, Mm -hmm. you know, like no evolution of like healing or mental health progress or even like what you eat or what you wear is always going to be exactly the same like as people the only thing in life that is guaranteed is that it will change exactly I think about where I was on my social media journey to where I am now it's completely (laughs) different I started off blogging about makeup and beauty and now I'm talking about inner child healing and freaking tarot and spirituality like who would have thought not me right. and you so love scary. beauty bloggers I know I used to literally spend my time sitting there watching YouTube all day just watching beauty vlog- vloggers and being like I want to be them and then I'm like well what was it about them that I wanted to be very interesting to reflect on and I still don't even really know why I was so intrigued I don't know but yeah social media and mental health ooh, there's well, there's social media 
social media creates a divide with people so then you get in like social situations and people have all this social anxiety but it's because like 90 percent of their social interactions are like online mm-hmm. so they they feel nervous like with people like real people and I've seen that with younger friends as well and I I just try to reassure them like if I'm in a big social situation I'm like listen like I wouldn't put myself around people I didn't like you know know that I could be myself and and they're like just good people who are like very accepting of other people very kind outgoing genuine like so you're safe like this is a safe space that like I've created so I know there's like a lot of people in this room but they're all you know like good people but it's like hard because if you grew up most of the time like isolated and online you don't know how to have social interactions yeah that definitely is one way that social media and online can affect mental health and then you have the whole comparison thing where you're like comparing your life to everybody else online or you know you're putting on some trolling kind of like facade oh yeah all the the trolls online who will leave those hate comments and will pick people apart it's very interesting i mean there's so many benefits to social trolls give me stress ups I see it all the time and then I get like and then I find myself getting defensive like when I watch like some YouTube videos I still watch YouTube I like creators I really do enjoy watching content creators and I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying things like that but Mm -hmm. also just being realistic that not everything you see is reality but then I'll look through comments on some of these people's content and I see the haters and I just want to like go off and I want to be like what makes you think you're so perfect but then I'm like wait okay let's not feed into the drama but then I like get so like defensive for them and I'm like why why am I like making this a me problem why am I acting like I should come to their defense right now like I need to like chill out a little bit probably because you want like a safe space but it's like you can't control everything that people do online exactly and that's something I definitely learned and there's always this like even speaking on a podcast sharing my opinions sharing my perspectives there's still that fear beneath that's like hmm what if I say something and somebody doesn't like it and then they come and like they yell at me but no fuck them I'll yell at them No, it's just, it's just like when you look at it from the perspective of what are you really accomplishing when you hate on another person? In that moment, it gives your pride and ego a sense of false satisfaction because you feel somehow more powerful than them because you can put them down. It's, it's complete ego because it's, it's your ability to detach from like yourself and the things that you need to progressively work on. And it allows you like a moment of escapism I think where you're not focusing on yourself and you're not having to focus on your forward progress and instead you're in this ego-driven mentality of like I'm better than this person Mm -hmm. for x y and z and a lot of the time I think we get in those conversations with our in our heads or with people around us and we don't even realize that we're doing it and sometimes I think it comes from like a constructive place of like can 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 come sorry or constructive place of like I want better for them but like you're saying, like you can't fix everyone's problems. Yeah. So you no. have to just like let them figure it out on their own. Plus, mm-hmm. like it takes a strong will to and a lot of awakening and a lot of like self-reflection to get to a place where you can recognize that it's your inner ego voice talking to you and not you about social situations or people online. Oh, who's that beauty influencer? Her name is like Michaela and she's from Oh, Boston. the mascara find- scandal. Oh my goodness. Yes, but before this mascara scandal. I would see her on like my Facebook profile and I just like found her New England Boston accent so annoying because that's what people think of us like right like we're both from Massachusetts we don't live far from Boston do I have an accent like that no do you have an accent like that no but people everywhere you go and you meet and you talk to they're like where's your New England accent and they think that's how we all talk and act and then I just I found it so annoying that she was online like doing makeup and making a lot of money and I was like what are you contributing to society you're making you're making colors on your face that's you're not contributing a lot and I found myself like very annoyed by this person to the point where like I couldn't watch her content and I'm just like why am I so bothered by this why am I judging so hard someone else online like this is my inner ego like just jealous of like the fact that she probably figured out a way to do something that she loves and monetize it and that's what I'm like more annoyed by 
I mean, I'm still annoyed by the idea that like that's everyone's impression of someone from Boston or from Massachusetts because that's not that's not everyone from Massachusetts. But I just found it so annoying. I think because like and then I and then I got really irked when there was like a video she made and she was like, it's so hard to be an influencer. And I was just like, do you know what I do for a living? I wipe people's ass for a living like but see that's the self-reflection then that's the self I had to self-reflect and be like yeah but first of all I chose that second of all that's just like a small part of my job yeah I do a lot of other things that are like much more technical and I think like that was I think the reason that it bothers me really so much is because there's such a social following for these people who seemingly aren't contributing a lot to society in terms of morality and truthfulness and authenticity like they're just doing stuff in my opinion that they're selling their soul right like the the mascara problem Mm. she's doing it to sell her soul for money eventually that's gonna catch up to her and that's why her mental health is probably shit and she's on there crying online because you're selling yourself out and you're compromising your own morals ultimately and now it's like affecting your mental health Mm. I could also see it from a couple of different perspectives too, because I I feel like there also can be this perspective of like, you have to follow the status quo of like contributing a certain way to society. But like, who are we to say you can't like make a living doing something you're passionate about? If you're passionate about right. makeup, why and is that, such that a bad makeup thing? can't be art? Yeah. You know, like, why is that considered such a terrible thing? I feel like I think I have a problem with it because I have this concept of like, the 90s and early 2000s when we grew up where like makeup wasn't used to like be an art form it was used as a way to suppress and oppress women by being like you're not beautiful enough yeah, so you need yeah. to put the shit on because then that makes you better that makes yeah, you more so it's worthy. like that self-reflection you know I mean? that that mind is like the societal mindset that's yeah. stuck in my head she's of like the next mentality of like this is how an art form of how I express myself mm-hmm. and I'm like somewhere trying to connect those you know yes yes exactly and and I think that's really great to be able to like self-reflect and realize how like society can influence our thinking sometimes now I will say also there is a problem when you're not being truthful and honest because obviously that's really important you know you should be (laughs) honest and truthful about things and that's why I'm glad I got into marketing in the beginning, because it helps me see through illusions when it comes to advertising and marketing that other people can very easily be deceived by. Mm -hmm. Uh, The big L'Oreal campaigns, the big beauty campaigns, even on TV, on ads, all that shit is blown up, like exaggerated, photoshopped. And you can't look at a commercial and be like, that's their natural skin. Like their skin's that flawless. No, it's editing, it's Photoshop, it's you know, you see all these celebrities in these commercials being like, I use Pantene on my hair. And I'm like, you do not. You do not use Pantene on your hair. hair extensions. Yeah, let's be real. You don't use Pantene. You use like some $3,000 bottle of shampoo you got as a gift. And I mean, if you use Pantene, I'll be genuinely shocked because personally, my show me what's in your shower. That Pantene's even good for your hair. However, when I look at influencers, right? People want to place blame on them, whatever. But at what point do you take accountability for your own actions? Oh my you, God, yes. I was just telling my husband this the other night. We, you make the choice the to follow them and buy things. It's They're not forcing right. you. They're not telling you yep. to go buy the mascara. Thank they're God. showing you yes, it. Thank you. And you have a choice to make. You either buy it or you don't. But like take accountability for your own actions. Mm, don't believe yes. it on influencers. Don't well, believe like, it on other people. I was telling my husband, I was like, the reason these people who are selling their souls, for instance, the beauty community, whatever you want to call them, are just selling crap products, mass production. Okay, let's say the Kardashians, overpriced skin by Kim Kardashian, overpriced skincare. I use over-the-counter stuff. You know what my esthetician tells me? My skin is great. Don't don't add anything. Okay, use Neutrogena. Okay, I don't need to spend $700 on a skincare routine. But the reason that these people are filthy rich is because there are, there is an audience of people who believe what they say and follow them and buy it. And it's, I mean this in the nicest way, but because there's a lack of knowledge and consumer savviness among people, they will keep getting ripped off at their own expense to follow these brands and celebrities for absolutely no reason at all. And is it the celebrity and the 
and the influencers fault? Honestly, no. If people are dumb enough to fall for their crap and not educate themselves, honestly, it's on you. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to take accountability for your own actions. Otherwise you're going to be stuck in that cycle, just following whatever. And that's another reason why I'm like so big with free thinking. It's like, uh, we used to fall for it. We used to, how much Victoria's Secret crap did we buy before we even knew the the Victoria's Secret scandal of like some dude getting rich off of the back of falsely saying like what women should look like. And this is a huge reason as to why I switched away from that path because it kind of didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel right to to me and my soul. And I'm not going to sit there and judge people who do it because at the same time, like there is, there was a fun side to it. There was creative side to it. There was enjoyment in it. I did enjoy talking about what I liked. I I had passion in that. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. As long as there's honesty, integrity, and all of that, like if you do use a project, a product and you genuinely like it, great. Talk about it. Share it. Cool. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it's, it's where like you use a product or you're just accepting a sponsorship because it's going to pay you regardless if you use it or not, regardless if you like it or not. That's why sponsorships for me were always really touchy. Like I didn't really like doing them because sometimes I'll have these brands reach out to me that I've never even heard of. First of all, they're calling, they're going, hi, I'll do close, like saying my entire like username instead of just using my name in general or like, hi, dear, like just certain weird kind of concepts where I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. trust this. For example, the other day, um, I got a message from a brand and they were saying something along the lines of, oh, I see that you talk about fun date night ideas all the time. Would you like to, you know, share about this product? And I'm like, I think I have one blog post on my blog about date night ideas from like 2019. Like, you don't even know anything about me. Like, how how much have you actually learned about what I, like, it just didn't align. It didn't add up. So, I mean, you can't get rid of consumership altogether, right? No, but you could, like, need to be smarter. Yeah, smarter. As a, as a community, as a group, as a nation. Yeah, exactly. And and that all starts in schooling as well, I feel like, because we right. are just taught parenting. to believe. Yeah, parenting. Taught to believe the authority figure, the person in authority, the person in power is telling the truth and nothing but the truth and that everything they say is fact and that you should just trust everything, especially in a textbook. Anything that happened, you need to just trust that it happened the way that we teach you it happened. Oh, yeah. I have a huge problem with that. Like, the, the, we've gone down, like, a side rabbit hole now, but... I like, know. I'm like, oh, I took I took uh, Texas history when I had to go and, like, redo core classes here in Texas to get my nursing degree. And I remember the Texas history class literally, like, breezing over the fact that Texas as a state and when it was, like, a brief short period when it was a nation before it rejoined the union slaughtered native americans and indigenous people to have the land they have and they just dusted right over it like like it didn't even happen like and i just remember reading the book and being like this is not history this is not the full story like exactly like at least be honest about what you did and honestly that's that's the problem this is bad that's the that's the problem. Well, they say history is written by the victor. And that is why it's skewed, right? And that's why it's like hard to just trust everything you read in a history textbook or in a textbook in general. And then that's why I also have a problem with because again, I guess I've talked about this before in my podcast and this kind of goes back to my childhood trauma experiences, but everybody's like, well, what the doctor says goes and what they say is fact. It's called and- practicing medicine. Yeah. Practicing. It's called practicing medicine they don't know the answers yeah they're practicing it exactly what, what do you do when you practice something practice it till you get better at it yeah because they know what they're doing a limited amount of things that they can do to collect data that tell them it's probably this not sure mm-hmm. we have a good hunch we're gonna go based off of that and this is something I also talked in a previous episode. I don't think you were on it with me, um, but it's this pedestal mentality where we put people on pedestals. We put celebrities on pedestals. We put Based doctors on, on what they... pedestals. Oh, hell yeah. Dr. Authority figures on pedestals, pedestals, presidents on pedestals. We look at everybody like they're above us and that we're below them, but it's like we're all one in the same. There's like, yeah, maybe somebody has more education in a way, but 
just they because just contribute you have, something different. Yeah. And at the end of the day, too, it's like, like, just because you're book smart, well, how about common sense? Or how about, like, there's right. all different Street ways. Smart, mechanical yeah, smart. All different ways that you can learn. You don't just learn by going to school. Very often, I find myself very amazed by people who have, like, very, like, regular careers or, like, desk jobs. And then it turns out that they're literally, like, redesigned their entire house, like, construction-wise. And it's all self-taught. And, like, you probably should have been, like, a freaking engineer. But, like, because of the way the school system is set up, it's, like, too hard for you to navigate the system and so like they didn't actually do that as a career but they're amazing at it i think this was from one of my textbooks in college one of my philosophy books it said true self-esteem and true humility arise out of the realization that you are neither inferior nor superior to anyone in truth you're all one and the same yes i posted that i posted that seven years ago on facebook yes exactly that and and i think once society this who knows if we'll ever get to this point years and years down the road but like if people could just start awakening to the fact that we are all one in the same we are all human we all have our flaws we all have our strengths we all have our weaknesses we all have talent right because it's so easy to look at a celebrity like a famous singer and be like oh my god they're so talented you know i need to just follow their lead i need to praise them i need to be their biggest fan because they're so talented but then you're like paying so much attention to their own their talent that you're forgetting about your own talent if they have talent that means you have talent too and if people could just recognize that instead of doing the whole pedestal thing I feel like a lot more people would discover not only like their soul's purpose but also their own talents within them right yeah there's like this I think with the paparazzi and social media and all this stuff there's like this emphasis on over prioritizing like celebrities and what's going on in their lives and that like who they are and the the introduction of reality tv and it just kind of like ruins the whole concept of like yourself like your your self-discovery journey of like what life should be because you're too distracted no i agree 100 percent. you're too distracted paying attention to what everybody else is doing that right there in itself can be a downfall to mental health when you're paying way too much attention to what everybody else is doing how everybody else is living their life how everybody else is you know successful and how you're not or what everybody else with fitness the whole concept this is this is another episode that i want to talk about later the concept of fitness and counting macros and dieting and getting skinny and being healthy and like that whole like community online can be so damaging to your mental health because you're like it's almost toxic because you're like okay like I need to count every calorie that I consume and convert the protein and macros and I didn't do that today and I didn't work out today and like this person is skinnier than I am and like you can get stuck in that whole rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and then deterred because you're like well I'm not where they are but I want to be but it's more because of what they physically look like and their presence online than who they actually are as a person and then you get so consumed with that that you're too literally you're like frozen because you mm. don't know what to do, what what your actual what you actually want to do, what your next step actually should be, that you're now you're not doing anything. Yeah. It's like an overwhelming paralysis. Yeah. And it's like my best advice for someone in that situation is like stop following those accounts. Mm-hmm. Like if it's hurting you more than it's helping you, like just stop following those accounts. There's also like a sickness with working out. Working out is great if you're doing it for the right reasons, but there's so many people who work out because they want to look a certain way or they want to be skinny or they're trying to break the idea of what people think of them that Mm -hmm. has been their whole life or they're doing it to like an unhealthy amount where like they're not actually eating. There's a type of, I think it's anorexia where like you're, you're eating, but you're exercising so much that it negates whatever you're eating. So it's like as if you still weren't eating anyway. Yeah. And I think that can kind of go back to what we talk about a lot is like just being mindful of the reason behind your action. Are you doing this because it makes you feel good? Or are you doing this because you want other people to recognize you a certain way? Are you doing it due to fear, lack of confidence, whatever the motive is behind your action? I feel like being mindful of what that motive is is really important have you heard about intuitive eating isn't that when like you shut the tv off you shut and you just like you sit with like whatever you're eating and you try to like really like distinguish like the smells and the flavors and like well you know what actually i've never actually looked into it that much but what i thought that it meant based off of the wording <laughs> was i had thought that it meant 
listening to when your body's hungry, eating and stopping when you're not. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of people I see who have like type 2 diabetes and they say that their appetite is increased and maybe they do have like the genetic gene or or an overproduction of the, the hunger hormone. But I think it's also a combination of like, I know I kind of want to save this for a different, but I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. Kind of have FOMO sometimes and we'll get in, like I said, on a different episode more about why that is. But I have like FOMO about eating. I'm like, I need to eat that because it's delicious. But am I actually hungry? Do Mm -hmm. I really need to eat that? Can I just eat it later? Can I have, I can have it at a different time. I don't need to have it now. Yeah. Yeah. Checking in with yourself being like, am I actually hungry right now? Or am I eating because I think I want it because I'm thinking it's going to taste really good or because I'm bored. Because for me, it's boredom. Boredom Mm -hmm. will creep up on me. And then I'm like, hmm, what should I do? I guess I'll eat. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not actually hungry. I'm just eating because I'm bored. Like maybe I should not do that. Um, so I actually wanted to mention an experience that I had with my mental health and two, it's like one in the same, but two separate occasions. So back when I was really struggling where I thought the world was against me and I thought I basically was blaming everybody but myself for all my problems. I was struggling with really wanting to be pregnant. And this was before I was trying. Mm. And I think you can remember this because I remember I sent you pregnancy tests that were clearly negative. And I was like, oh my God, do you see that faint line? It's there. I know it is. Yeah. That was hard as your best friend too. Cause I didn't want to like invalidate your, like what you were thinking. And I didn't think that you were in a place to like have like that full reality jolt of like, no. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But also I just like, I I had my own biases at the time because I was like, you're not ready for this. Like, I don't even understand. And like, I have my own biases around being pregnant and having kids. So it's it's hard for me to be supportive because I'm like, I don't even understand why you want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, why do you want children? Do you know what you're signing up for? Like, yeah. And I'm like, but I'm like, she just she has like instincts that I don't have yet. For as long as I can remember, I, I've always wanted to be a mom and I've always really loved children. I was always the babysitter. I was always like the You wanted person. to be a school teacher originally. I wanted to be a school teacher. I used to literally play school with with everybody all the time. Like I would be the teacher and make my brother fill out paper. Have you ever worked in a daycare? Um, Worked in a daycare. I have not. But you were a nanny for a long time. Yes, I was a nanny. I was a babysitter. And I also work on the side for school. Like one of the, let you do this, like, um, I forget what it was called, but essentially you could sign up for some kind of like program to fit in a time block. And for me, it was going over to the elementary school, being a, like, I guess a helper, a teacher's aide or whatever. Mm. And that was really fulfilling. And I did start going to school for teaching. And then I, again, like dropped out of college. And now this is where it led me. And I don't know, I think about it sometimes. But like I said, I have huge issues with the school system. So the education system. So not yet. Have not followed that path yet. But essentially. You could make like an alternative preschool. I wonder if you, I wonder what the process is for be, like making like an alternative preschool. Hmm. Like teaching, teaching kids the things that they need to know, but in your own way. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something I could look into for sure because I do feel like I always I, think it's right, go ahead oh no I was just gonna say because I do feel like kids are, are meant to be on my path in some way or another I just don't know how yet you know I think it's interesting there's like a few documentaries I think one of the one that highlights it really well was the Netflix series that Zach Efron did I forget what it was called the series but he did one where like he went to like a third world country of like people who wanted to completely live off the land and like get away from the U.S. and the way that they did school with the kids is like they just set up different activities and puzzles and games and stuff that they could do and they let the kids explore and figure it out and they didn't have like a specific curriculum and they didn't have to like abide by these specific exams but the kids were still learning how to like have a home and live off the land and grow their own food and like they were still learning all those things to survive and they were able they gave the kids like the space to figure out like what they were good at if that makes sense which I think I think that's so important I honestly think that that might if I'm correct I think my husband was telling me that like that's what Nordic countries do a lot of like Norway and countries like that they actually have kids and like teenagers take 
exams that show like what their aptitude is for which I think they used to do something similar Gosh, that would be year. that is so important because I feel like we are so quick to like mold kids into what we want them to be instead right. of having them actually tap into what they're naturally good at and want right. could but then they take it a step further and they kind of like put them on that course for higher education mm. and then like that ends up being like they end up doing what they're passionate about for their living wow that I love that honestly at least that's how it's been explained to me but yeah. it would be interesting to have someone from like Norway explain to me like like come on and the actually actual, yeah what, it all. what the process is yeah because if that's the case I think that's great because I think there's just way too much especially here in the United States there's way too much setting kids up to just be a product of corporation or whatever oh well, even like the medical system is set up so weird like I guess one of our doctors were t- was talking to my husband about how like it, he got his medical degree here in the U.S. and it cost him like $400,000. So he's like $400,000 in debt. But like he is originally from India and people he knows from India who got their medical degree in India and then came over here and like did all the process to like transfer their medical degree paid like $3,000 U.S. dollars for their degree. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. $1,000 U.S. Wow. That's crazy. I'm just like, <sighs> yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear how like things can be so different in different like countries and stuff. And that all stems back to like affecting people's mental health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And school in itself can also just be affect the mental health. Like we've talked about on many episodes, just bullying in school, feeling like you have to get perfect grades, feeling like you're a failure if not. And then again, being forced to do all these things that social element don't want to do. Yeah. It's just, it all just ties in and contributes. And then you talk about there's cases of teachers and stuff like abusing people and then now there's like all the violence in schools between like the kids in school but also like school shootings and all that Mm. crap yeah it's it's sad it really is but and that's why I think it's so important too to just like as a collective to take mental health seriously but there's still so many people who want to ignore mental health who think that Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal they think that it doesn't play a factor in essentially harm in any way which I think is a lot of BS, to be honest. I do think mental health plays a huge factor in how people harm other people because hurt people hurt people. Yeah, I think it's like a lack of reflection and knowing where you're at and like being able to do self-check-ins and then also like having supportive people around you to promote that kind of stuff and then also doing all your self-care things like what are your self-care things I think like I see it more so I feel like I see a lot of dis- a lot more discontented outwardly mm-hmm. uh, older people mm-hmm. like a lot of Karens are just like discontented internally and they turn it outwardly because they don't yeah. like that's what their generation has been taught to do our generation is this different type of mental health problem where like we all have like internalized it Pluto and Scorpio generation so our generation people who were born I forget the exact years but it's like 1980 something to like 1995 or something like that we all have our Pluto in Scorpio and Pluto is representative of it's a generational planet and it's a transformative planet. It comes through to destroy, to reconstruct, to transform. And having it in Scorpio essentially means that we go within and we can like see through the corruption, the manipulation, the power, all of that. We can see through that. And Scorpio also rules over psychology and you know really going deep into the psyche so it makes sense as to why our generation is so set on like fixing mental health going within doing the inner work like seeing through the manipulation the control the power structures that are within the world currently and like destroying all of that so that new can come in and I believe that my parents' generation are Pluto and Virgo. And so they can be really critical, really judgmental, really like, um, but they can also be like healers, want to take care, want to, like there is potential for that to happen. So I think before we end this episode, why don't we just mention, you know, the biggest mental health struggle you've had to overcome and how you overcame it or how you're working on overcoming it if you haven't already 
Yeah, I'm going through my spiritual year this year, you know that. So I haven't overcome mine. I think mine is like a lack of self-acceptance and it ebbs and flows. Some days I feel connected to journaling and figuring it out. And some days I'm just, I'm tired. And so I think part of the journey of the self-acceptance is giving myself space to be Mm. and not judging myself what I ate that day or how much I slept that day or what I did or didn't get done on my to-do list and that's like the baby step of starting where I'm at so I think it I think your journey can start out really small it doesn't have to be like these major life shifts like I think a lot of the online presence too of manifesting and changing your life and the trauma and everything which is one thing I really like that you talk about is like you can start small on your journey and then gradually over time build on that but it doesn't have to be this overwhelming thing that you like have to do all at once in one big day you know yeah and I I like especially agree because if you try to do it all at once you're not going to be able to you're going to burn yourself out you're going to be overwhelmed and then you're going to stall and procrastinate on actually making the changes you need to make because you're so overwhelmed by the big picture which is why it's so important to like break it down and do little steps and I, I definitely think that you have been I can see it. I can see the little steps that you've been taking. And I love that for you. But I it, I know there's hard days. And, and I think for me, that's something that's really important to tell myself is that it's okay to have like an off day. It's okay to like mm-hmm. not feel great. It's okay to just really allow yourself to sit with the emotion that you're feeling. And another thing that I've learned too, is that I tend to be someone who I don't, I don't even really know like what it is, but I don't know if I just attract these these types of situations, but I attract people who are struggling mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with like being someone who they feel like they can confide in. And, but then it's so easy for me to get distracted by everybody else's problems that I'm actually not focusing on my own or I'm belittling my own problems because mm-hmm. everybody else around me is struggling. So then I feel like I shouldn't be worried about my own problems because maybe I should be helping everybody else or maybe that I sh- my problems aren't as big. So really kind of accepting my own problems and being like, listen, like you have problems too. You deserve to take care of your own problems. You don't have you deserve to-, to be heard. Yeah, you deserve to be heard. You're- you deserve to like give to yourself. And because I find that if I'm not taking care of myself mentally and I'm focusing too much on everybody else's mental health, I get really like burnt out. I have no energy. I'm drained. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I don't want to move. I can't like I physically won't be able to get off the couch. If I just had a conversation with someone, which again, I'm learning how to set boundaries, do the check-ins with people, but also be like, okay, I have 30 minutes to talk. Let's talk instead of like making it a whole hour situation every single day that overwhelms me that drains me but that's on me I need to set those boundaries so again taking accountability for my own boundaries that I am not setting properly and then just being really easy on myself through the whole trying to conceive journey has been a huge one for me because it's just been a lot of pushing life off in hopes that I'm gonna finally be pregnant But it's like, maybe it's time to start living instead of constantly planning for like, what if I'm pregnant? Maybe just start living in the moment and being like, hey, well, you could be pregnant, but right now you're not. So live life as if you're not. And I know that sucks because I'm always like telling myself to live as if, be as if, be the part, like be in the vibration of who you want to be. And if you want to be pregnant, then maybe you should be acting as if you're pregnant. But that's currently not working for me. Currently, it's just making me more stressed out and anxious and depressed. So now I just need to be living in the moment and being who I want to be right now. And if I want to plan that trip, I'm going to plan that trip. I'm going to go on that trip. I'm not going to push it off because I might- Are going to Sedona? I know. Yes, we are going to Sedona. Yes, because I do want to go to Sedona. There are things that I want to do. And and for so long, these past two years, I feel like I've just put off so much because of trying to plan for the future of what if I'm a mom, you know? So at this point, it's like, if I plan a trip and something happens, well, it is what it is. You know, if I have to cancel something, I I have to cancel something. And if I lose money, that's what insurance is for. Yeah. You know, and if I, if I, for whatever reason, do end up losing money from it, I know it will come back to me, like just trying to have that kind of mindset and just being easy on myself and hopefully getting to a place where I can sleep as well, because I toss and turn every single night. 
I just lay awake until like six in the morning. I'm just like, oh my gosh, can my brain just be quiet? And Josh is like, well, maybe you should go back on your medication and to each their own. I don't judge anyone for wanting to be on medication. But for me personally, being on medication was really rough for me and coming off of it Mm -hmm. was even harder. Coming off of anxiety medication was terrible for me. So I'm just really trying to find ways to ground my energy naturally. And I think I need to be more proactive more about like a holistic. Approach. Yeah. And then you have to be more proactive about meditation, moving my body more, um, taking more walks, stretching more to kind of release stored energy instead of just sitting around all the time because I can easily get into those funks where I just don't want to move. And uh, I can feel really lethargic. And I'm like, wow, I, I really need to motivate myself right now. So without judging yourself yeah exactly without judging myself and those are the kind of things that I've been struggling with slash working on when it comes to my mental health is just trying to like find my energy again like today I'm actually feeling pretty good uh, yeah I, I can did tell. yeah like I honestly it sounds weird but you're not wearing any I'm I don't think you're wearing any makeup no but your face seems like it's glowing Really? Well, that's good because I have really been trying to work on perspective shifting this weekend because I was kind of in a funk, but I think learning a lot about myself too helped and I've been doing a lot of self-discovery. So that's been making me feel good. Yeah. Those are just things that help me. And again, like when I come on here and share my perspectives and we share things like this, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm not telling Mm -hmm. you that what works for me is going to work for you. You have to listen to yourself. All I'm trying to do is offer perspective for you to like look at things from a different like point of view. And if it works for you, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's okay. Right. You know? Just give you like a frame of reference of like where where yeah. you could start or like how to start. And that if you feel stuck, you know, there there is another side to it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's just so important. It's just to hear different perspectives. But at the end of the day, the thing that is the most important is listening to your inner compass, your intuition. That's going to guide you. Feel. Yes. How do you feel? How does things make you feel? If it doesn't feel good, then it's not for you. Agreed. I think that is it for today's episode. Love talking with you guys. I love when Courtney and I can record these episodes. So can't wait to see you next week. Well, actually next week, yeah. no. Oh, the week after. Actually, we won't be. I will be in New Mexico living it up for my birthday slash Valentine's Day because I am going to be 21. Yes, 21. (laughs) 31. 31. But honestly, I I think 21 mindset. I think the 30s, like your 30s, I feel like that's a great time of your life to just come alive. Because I feel like the 20 in your 20s, it's like discovering who you are and what you want and unlearning a bunch of shit that we've learned from childhood and then 30s you can really like live it out the new like mindset the new perspective the new energy so I have a good feeling for you with the 30s I agree I hope so maybe a lot of traveling that would be nice (laughs) all right guys we'll see you next time (laughs) 